Well, hello there, happy innovators. How you guys been? Long time no podcast once again, I know. Probably wondering, whatever happened to that guy? That Bostwick guy who used to do that podcast called the Singularity Podcast? Yeah, I'm still here, believe it or not. Uh, panic ye not. Um, you know, actually, I for the past maybe you know month or so, I've been trying to think of a topic to hit for a new podcast and nothing was coming to me, you know, and I, I kind of thought to myself, you know what, I'm not going to kind of push it. I'm not going to make it happen. I'm just going to kind of wait and see if something comes up and, you know, I feel inspired to talk about something, you know, and you know what, it wasn't happening. It just wasn't happening. And then, then, uh, about a couple weeks ago, my wife and I had to do some unplanned traveling and uh, we were gone for probably about two weeks so and it wasn't a vacation okay it was <laughs> actually pretty serious business but I won't talk about that in this podcast today and because it's a long story and uh, you know there's, it's still not something that's completely over yet so I'm gonna have to wait a little bit to tell you what I've been up to for the past couple weeks but Suffice it to say that I was very busy anyway. I wasn't home. I was far from home. So I didn't really have any real opportunity to sit down and make a podcast. But, you know, when the time goes by, uh, it really kind of starts to eat at me a little bit that I haven't done a podcast. And I suppose it's kind of redundant to keep, you know, starting off my podcast talking about you know, how hard it is to make a podcast or come up with something to talk about or sorry I haven't been around or any of that stuff, but I don't know. I'm just going to go with the flow today. So I hope that you'll bear with me and I'll try to like, you know, come up with something to talk about. We'll see if I can eke out, you know, a podcast here. I guess this podcast today could be, you know, what, uh, the podcast that, uh, was about absolutely nothing, you know, because I have nothing to talk about uh, offhand. I guess, you know, one of the things that I would want to talk about, if any, um, or maybe that I should talk about, is the situation with Joe Rogan and Neil Young, you know, that whole thing, the controversy about Neil Young pulling his music from Spotify if Joe Rogan wasn't pulled from Spotify, like, you know, an ultimatum with the platform. And, uh, you know, I, I, like everybody else, I hear the stories and, you know, one side of the argument and then you hear the other and you don't really know what to make of any of it. And you don't even really know how much of it is true or real. You know, I know I was watching uh, Bill Burr talking about it or listening to Bill Burr talk about it. Sorry, uh, Bill Burr's podcast, you know, he was talking about it and how he thinks that you know, Spotify making the claim or, you know, the, the supporters of Neil Young, I should say, and his ilk, uh, you know, dropping off of Spotify has cost the platform billions of dollars, you know, being like total bullshit, you know, and I kind of feel the same way. Like, I think it, I mean, it, it might matter on some level if Neil Young is no longer available on Spotify, but you know, if I want to listen to Neil Young and it's not on Spotify, I'll just go listen to it somewhere else, you know? 
And um, I'm not a huge Neil Young fan, really. You know, I've thought about that because a lot of the musicians that I came up with when I was younger and even some of my older family members, you know, they were like pretty big fans of Neil Young and they always kind of presented Neil Young to me as if he was somebody that was very important, you know, that his music was very um, important music to listen to. And I got to say, he's got a handful of songs that I really like, you know, I think they're really great, but I'm not one of those people that like bought his albums and, you know, I wasn't one of those people that would say that was influenced by him at all. You know, he was always kind of off in the periphery, you know, my uh, musical library in my brain. Like, I, I, I don't really think about it too much. Um, and, you know, he had this song called Sugar Mountain. that was really great. And um, I mean, he's, he, he's got great songs. He's got some great songs. He does. Um, and I, I also remember he did this song for the soundtrack. Uh, that movie Philadelphia it was the last uh, piece of music in the film you know at the very end of the film you know and uh, kind of a somber song you know a little like sad and the footage was sad and the ending of the story was sad you know so you know I have this kind of like this imagery and this music from the end of that movie like you know burned into my memory and I remember it being you know powerful kind of sadness you know it's good it worked well with the film you know um not one of my favorite films or anything like that but you know I have made some music for film in my life and I pay attention to think a little bit more to that stuff now you know when I'm watching films (laughs) you know I guess just by osmosis that would happen but I am uh, a bigger fan, I think, of Joe Rogan than I am of Neil Young. And I find it really strange that, you know, this is one of those things that's popping up right now. Um, At least from my perspective, I find it strange because Joe Rogan is really kind of uh, a juggernaut. You know, he's he's a force of nature and he's somebody that's um, transformed... Okay, guess that would be the word. He's transformed uh, culture, you know, uh, maybe as much or even more so than any rock bands are currently or even any politicians are. You know, Joe Rogan has kind of found that sweet spot in between the, you know, the people and the message, you know, and uh, he's kind of, uh, I suppose, you know, you would have to be that kind of person like him, you know, who's like a, you know, he's a accomplished actor, a fighter. I mean, he's done all kinds of things, you know, he's a stand-up comic, um, you know, he's done a lot. He works hard. He covers a lot of territory. So it would make sense that eventually, you know, he was going to kind of like find that magic spot you know he's going to hit the button on something and start a whole new thing he's one of those kinds of personalities one of those kinds of people you know and he's not the only one there are other people that are like that where 
you know, they're so broad in their thinking and what they enjoy doing that they, you know, eventually stumble onto something that really hasn't been done the way that they're doing it before. And podcasting, I got to tell you, Joe Rogan, hands down, he's the king of the podcast. You know, can you imagine he got some kind of deal with Spotify for like a hundred million dollars? You know, think about that to do something that's, you know, not incredibly distant from what I'm doing right now. Okay. The notion of making like that kind of money for doing this kind of thing is like mind blowing. Now, I'm not making the claim that I'm good enough to do that because I know for sure that I'm not and not many are, you know, it's really difficult to do it the way that Joe Rogan has done it from the beginning, you know, from the ground up, you know, he's kind of established, you know, by default, the, the model for all other podcasters to follow. And if you notice, which I do notice, um, especially with a lot of the podcasters and that are, you know, putting videos up on YouTube of their podcast. A lot of them are copying the Joe Rogan format. You know, they have a, you know, a podcast and they have a guy off camera who will research topics as they're talking, you know, find it for them so they can call it up onto a screen and, you know, make an analysis of whatever, you know, you see it all the time now, but you know, Joe Rogan started all of that stuff. And I don't always agree with Joe Rogan. I don't, I do a lot of the time though, but, and I think he's actually very funny. I'm not a big fan of his stand-up comedy, but I think that he is actually probably a really funny person to hang around. Like if you were friends with Joe Rogan and you went camping with him, it would probably be pretty funny hanging out with that guy. But like I said, I'm not like a huge fan of his stand-up. I wasn't a huge fan of his acting. I didn't even really watch that show he was on. I, th- I don't even remember what it was called now. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, I forget. But it's not important. The point is, is that I am a fan of him talking and who he talks to and, you know, the questions that he asks. I mean, I got to be honest with you, really. I've been doing this podcast for a couple years now, and I, I wish, I wish I had a situation like that, you know, where I was interviewing people and I had a, you know, a little bit of a budget, you know, with a couple microphones and a, you know, a camera, you know, <laughs> I wish I had it together enough to do something like that. But, you know, you would really have to devote so much time to building something like that. And, you know, what's interesting too is like, it's one thing for me, a guy like me to just kind of copy what's already been done by Joe Rogan. I mean, that's not that difficult to do, but consider, you know, this guy started from the ground up. I mean, he really started at zero, you know, and he just started talking into a microphone on camera and interviewing his friends. And, you know, it became what it has become a hundred million dollars. He's paid to do this now. $100 million. Think about how much money that actually is. 
That's insane. I don't even think I would know what to do with a hundred million dollars, you know? But <laughs> so here we are now at this crossroads, you know, with Neil Young and Joe Rogan. They're kind of like, you know, duking it out, you know, uh, metaphorically, you know? And I got to tell you, I'm a little bit like when I when I look at the situation, okay, when I look at it from both sides, I got to say I'm a little bit disappointed with Neil Young. You know, it's like it's kind of weird. Like Neil Young is, at least in my mind, is supposed to be kind of like standing up for like the little guy, you know, like like taking on the man, you know, like on behalf of the little guy. That's what my impression of him is. But I think that that's wrong. I think he's proving me wrong by the situation that we're in. You know, I'm watching it play out and I'm thinking to myself, you're like a rock star. Like you're supposed to kind of be taking the side, at least in my mind, of the uh, what the counterculture kind of approach. That's that's what I'm thinking, okay? But then I remember, okay, I remember that Neil Young was the one who was pushing for the Sonus, I think it was called, you know, this kind of like answer to the MP3 because, you know, he was so disappointed with losing... Well, okay. Hold on. The claim from Neil Young that I remember was that he was disappointed that the quality of the music that people were getting when they listened to an MP3 is really bad quality. Okay? So he was replacing it with this new technology that, of course, you know costs money and I kind of read that whole situation like you know being a small time musician songwriter whatever myself you know I kind of saw that as you know this is just another celebrity who's pissed off because he's not making the money that he used to make off of record sales and I get that I understand that I wouldn't deny him or you know, begrudge him the opportunity to redress that grievance, okay? Because it's a real one. It's one that I disagree with, but it is a real grievance. You know, to be used to a lifestyle as a singer-songwriter where you make millions of dollars off of your music. Like, you know, think about it. Like, you write a song, okay? Like Neil Young has written several, and... For many, many years after you wrote it, it's still making you millions of dollars. We're talking millions of dollars for those songs, right? And then along comes something like the internet. And along comes, you know, the technological changes like an MP3 or a WAV file or whatever, you know? And, you know, it's like it does suck, I'm sure, to be an artist like Neil Young and to lose that stream of income. Okay. But 
Unfortunately, times change and things change. And, you know, maybe the lesson learned is that that money that you were, you know, getting all those years and those millions of dollars that you made off of those songs you wrote, um, maybe you should have saved some of it or something. You know, you should have maybe counted on the fact that like most things, what goes up must come down. Like you eventually the music that you've made would, you know, not be collecting millions of dollars in perpetuity, you know, maybe. Okay. Now he still has the right to be upset, you know, and he still has the right to protest that. But for me, okay, I kind of saw it as like a bummer, you know, like, Neil Young is so worried about losing that money that he's trying to fight it, you know, by opening up this other stream of revenue, this new, you know, file sharing technology like Sonus. I think that's what it was called. So I, and I also will say this, that, I mean, this is just my personal opinion. Okay. I'm not like an audiophile. You know, I'm not one of those people that is like really, really uptight about the quality of the sounds I hear, you know, like it has to be pristine and crystal clear. Like, no, that's not how it is for me. And the reason why is because music has never been like that for me. You know, like I had what vinyl eight track cassette tapes and yeah, they had Dolby noise reduction, but that didn't do much. You know, it's like the quality of the music that I was trading with my friends when I was young on cassette tapes, you know, or CDs or whatever. It wasn't like pristine or something. It didn't matter. You know, it's the Ramones. You know, I just want to listen to I want to be sedated. You know, it doesn't have to be crystal clear and pristine. It could be, you know, kind of rough around the edges. I don't care. You know, as long as I get to hear the tune, you know. So I've always kind of thought it was silly when people go, oh, the MP3 doesn't sound as good, you know, as the wave file or it doesn't sound as good. And here's the quality difference. And they show you like the megahertz or some kind of shit like that. And it's like, you know what? I don't care about that. You know, if I want to hear Strutter by Kiss, I don't care if it's like you know, high quality or something. I just want to hear the song, you know? So I was not buying into the whole, you know, the MP3 is garbage and, you know, you must use this other form in order for it to be better. And the true, you know, representation of what happened in the studio. It's like, you know what? I make my own songs and listen to them and I don't even care. If it's an MP3, I don't care. It's my own song, you know, and I'll just just listen to it. That's all. It's a song. It's uh, what? Three or five minutes long or something. And it's over. Well, I guess in my case, it's not always the case. I do have some songs that are pretty long and you know that. But it's like the, the point is, is that like, should we really get like totally like uptight about the quality and stuff like that of, you know, the files that we're sharing with our friends of great music that we found or whatever, you know, it's just, to me, the whole thing is so arbitrary, you know, it doesn't matter. 
it doesn't matter because there's so many platforms where you can put your music. And that's wonderful. So it doesn't matter if, you know, one platform isn't as good as the other or something. It's still another platform for your music to be listened to on. And somebody will listen to it there. No matter how big or how small or what, however good the quality is or whatever. None of that really matters, especially to people who just like music. Like me. I just like music. I just want to hear the song for crying out loud. It doesn't, you know? Why go through all that stuff, that bullshit, you know? Trying to, what? Uh, you know, you know, discourage people from listening to your music because it's an MP3. You know, that doesn't make any sense to me. You know, it's short-sighted and it doesn't make any sense. It's, you know, we should all be, all of us, anybody who's ever written a song and presented it to the public, you know, in the, in the public domain, we should all be thanking our lucky stars that anybody gives a shit what we're doing. Like, there's anybody listening to what we do. I mean, that's a miracle as far as I'm concerned. You know, that anybody anywhere would care at all about anything I'm doing. You know, it's I don't take it for granted because it's not to be taken for granted. And I don't care if it's Neil Young or you 2 or me, you know, at the bottom of the barrel. Like, it doesn't matter. You should be grateful that anyone cares at all. And then to boycott and, you know... To pull your stuff away from what? The people who really want to listen to your music? That your fans? That the people who like your music? Like to punish them because you're pissed at Joe Rogan or something or Spotify? It doesn't make any sense. You know, what what a foolish kind of attitude to take. Especially, you know, at least from my perspective, it's like... You're living in a mansion, dude. You know, you've got more money than you can count. What are, you know, why are you punishing your fans for your, what, a political something or whatever? And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you think that Neil Young is right. Eh, I don't know. I don't know. I think that he might be wrong. I think that it's foolish to do, but you know what, really, at the end of the day, Honestly, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I don't really. I don't. You know, I could. I could devote some thought to it for. I don't know a little while, I guess, like I am right now with this podcast. But at the end of the day, I, I, I don't really care if Neil Young's on Spotify. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care who's on Spotify. You know, <laughs> and you know, also too, I gotta say this: that uh, as far as the you know Joe Rogan being accused of like misinformation or something, it's that's so <laughs> it's pointless and kind of stupid to go after somebody for that. You know, it's like. Sometimes people get it right and sometimes people get it wrong. You know, we are all guilty of that. 
And if you are a person who sits down in front of a microphone like Joe Rogan does, and you talk for thousands of hours with hundreds of guests about millions of topics, you know, at some point, you know, in that, uh, what, seven, eight year, nine year, 10 year duration, you're probably going to get some information wrong. Okay. But like, who cares? Like, who are the people that are listening to Joe Rogan's podcast and making all their life decisions based on what Joe Rogan said? Or like one of his friends that he interviews on his podcast. Like, I'm not. I mean, I listen to his podcast and take it in. And a lot of the time it's entertaining, but it's not like guiding my life decisions. Is that what it's doing for you? Like when you need to make a major life decision, do you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast and, you know, base your decision on like his beliefs his attitudes I would put dollars to donuts that there's probably not like (laughs) like anybody doing that at all you know it's like entertainment that's all it is and uh, yeah he may get political and stuff like that and talk about things you know that offend people or something so what so what if you're offended so what if it offends me so what It's a show like just it's not real life or something. It's a it's a TV show, you know, it's a different form, I guess, but it's still entertainment. That's all it is. So the copying this attitude like, you know, real lives are affected by the Joe Rogan podcast. I, I don't really believe that, you know, I mean, he may have influenced some things but you know being responsible for the deaths of millions of people because he had an opinion about like covid or something or a mask or something that doesn't that's not real that's not real that doesn't happen because nobody cares that much about what anybody says let alone joe rogan you know at least that's my perspective you know like i'm sure You know, maybe over the course of the past three years, maybe I said something that affected someone. You know, maybe they listened to what I said and it made them rethink something or reconsider something or introduced them to something. Maybe, you know, maybe. So what? (laughs) It's like, it's just me talking into a microphone, man. That's all it is. You know, it's entertainment and I want you to be entertained, you know, but... You know, I don't want to like guide your life with my beliefs or something. I don't want to be like a cult leader, you know, because that's not reality. That's not really how it works. That's not really how people work. You know, I never watched what like the Johnny Carson show and like decided whether I was going to get married based on what Johnny Carson said. (laughs) It's like, you know, I watched other things, too, and I didn't, you know, I turned off Johnny Carson eventually and watched something else. And that didn't affect my life that much either. You know, now with MTV, okay, maybe that's a little bit different. I will admit there was a lot of stuff I saw on MTV and a lot of things I still do see 
like on videos with bands and groups and especially the ones I really like, you know, or the ones I really don't like that kind of affect my decision making. Okay, when it comes to making songs or something, but not not really. You know, not really. It might be swimming around in my brain somewhere, but it's not like you know, I heard a Greta Von Fleet album and I went immediately into my studio and like tried to do something, some kind of reaction to what they were doing. I mean, I listened to it mm, like this, don't like that. And I moved on. I mean, aren't you the same way? I would imagine that you probably are. You know, you're like me. It's like music is important. Yes. You know, I once had a friend who told me that you know, music is thoroughly unimportant. It has no importance, no consequence. You know, it's just a thing people do for fun. And I don't agree with that. I do think that the music that we hear and that we take in, you know, it has an effect on our senses. You know, I, I think I did a podcast about it called um, Custody of the Senses. Yeah, Custody of the Senses. It was a Singularity podcast. Go back and listen to it. And I talk about that. I mean, it is important uh, to culture and civilization and things like that. What The music that we're listening to. But, um, I mean, most of the time, it's not that important. Not important enough, anyway, to, like, you know, change your life and make you, like, drive your car different. You know, make you hold your fork different when you're eating. It's not going to happen. You know, it's not going to make you go to the hospital and get a COVID test. You know, at least not for me anyway. I would imagine that's how it is for most people. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm delusional or something. Um, You know what? I'm going to get a sip right now of my coffee. I'm drinking a nice hot cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee, you know. And I am not sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts, by the way, for all of you out there who are wondering. No, I just like their coffee. Everybody in New England likes Dunkin' Donuts coffee for the most part. Okay, it's like a a cultural thing, but it is actually pretty damn good. Um, So I'm going to take a sip. I suggest if you have a coffee with you right now, maybe you'll take a sip too. Hang on. That's good. Good coffee today. I put a little bit of cinnamon in it. Oof. It just kind of kicks it up a notch, you know? Very tasty. Hang on, I'm going to take another sip. So anyway, uh, I got a kind of a weird story I'm going to tell you. I'm going to close out this podcast with this story. I can't talk too much longer today, but uh, I'm going to tell you the story. So, anyway, when my wife and I got married, we first got married, um, I had bought us both these little medallions, okay, these little medals, these little spiritual religious medals. I bought one for me and one for her, and they were both different, and they were both like a necklace, so we would both have one to wear, okay? And we wore them for. I mean, since we were married, we never took them off. And eventually, like one of the chains broke and uh, my wife's chain actually broke. So or something went wrong with it. So I gave her my medal 
I took her medal and I just kind of kept it in my pocket. Like every day, everywhere I went, no matter what I was wearing, no matter what I was doing, this little medal was in my pocket, you know? And, uh, you know, we went back to Cleveland uh, back in like September, I think it was. And uh, when we got back from Cleveland, I realized that I had lost that medal, you know? And it wasn't like a huge deal or something, but, you know, because it's just a thing, you know, it's just a metal thing. But, you know, it was gold and it was nice and all that, but like it was, um, you know, it's still just a thing, you know, it's a, an, an item, but I, I felt so bad, you know, that I had lost this metal and I looked everywhere. Okay. And I mean, when I say I looked everywhere, I'm telling you, <laughs> I, when I lose something, it doesn't matter what it is. When I lose something or somebody around me loses something, I get like obsessed with finding it. You know, it's like a, probably a form of OCD or something. I mean, I just, I can't stop thinking about finding the thing that was lost until I find it, you know? And for the past few months, man, I'm telling you, I, I felt heartsick. One, that I had lost this thing that had meant so much to my wife and myself, like kind of like this symbol, kind of like this thing from our marriage, you know, from our wedding. But also because, you know, I was so careful with it all the time. And then for one reason or another, I guess, you know, I must have become reckless with it, you know, and careless with it. You know, just because it maybe it had been in my pocket for so many years. We're talking like 20 years, you know. Um, and I just felt so bad. And I up until a couple weeks ago, even uh, I was looking, you know. Well, a couple weeks ago, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, you know, we were told we were going to have to do some unexpected traveling. And so the night before we were going to get on the plane, you know, I'm down in my kitchen. My wife's in the bedroom, you know, probably packing her suitcase or something, you know, getting ready. And she comes into the kitchen, like freaking out, like with her hand in front of her, you know, closed, but like her fist in front of her. And she's like, I just want to make sure that this is really in my hand. And she opened up her hand and there it was. There was the metal. You know, I had thought maybe, okay, maybe I had lost it like on the airplane or maybe I lost it somewhere in Cleveland where we were walking around. I mean, I thought this thing was gone. I looked everywhere. Okay. And my wife, you know, obviously lives with me. So she knows, she knows that I obsess, you know, I just, I can't stop looking until I find it. And, um, so she, you know, drops it into my hand and I'm just looking at it. Like, I can't believe you found this. I looked everywhere and she's like, do you want to know where I found it? And I'm like, yeah, where did you find it? And she's like, it was sitting right on my bed. 
Yeah. It was sitting on my side of the bed, like on top of the blankets. It was just sitting there right in the middle. Like she and I like asked her, show me where you found it. Like, take me to the exact spot you found it. And, you know, we go into the bedroom. She shows me it was on the bed right here. And I'm like stunned, absolutely stunned, completely unexplainable. There is no rational explanation that I can think of because it was sitting in a spot where I definitely would have seen it if it were there. Um, I mean, I suppose there's the possibility of somehow uh, it fell out of luggage or something, or maybe, uh, you know, maybe my maybe my, my wife had hidden it from me. You know, maybe she's messing with me. I don't think so, though. She knew I felt pretty bad about it, and she was kind of, you know, sympathetic to that. She she understood why I felt so bad, you know, and I really felt bad. I got to tell you, I really did. I didn't cry, you know, but I was like, like I said, I was heartsick. I, I felt really like I had made a big mistake, you know. I lost that thing, and I was careless, and I and I shouldn't be. You know, I shouldn't take it for granted that it's in my pocket. I should make sure, you know, take care of this thing. It's, it's, it has meaning, you know, it has meaning and value to me, you know. And boy, did I learn that lesson when it was gone. So when she found it, I was just like, and it was, you know, the, the night before we're going to get on a plane and fly, you know, and I just, uh, I don't know. You can make of it whatever you want, but I know. I don't need anybody to tell me. It's just one of those things that's unexplainable. You know, it was mysterious. All of a sudden, it's there. You know, it's not the first time something like that has happened to me. There have been other times, but this is definitely the most recent and probably the the most profound. You know, so like I said, make of that whatever you will. I got the medal in my pocket right now sitting here talking to you you know it's in my pocket again I thought it was gone forever so I guess there's a little glimmer of hope for everybody especially those of you out there you know who have lost something you know or you've lost someone whatever it is whoever it is you know there's always that possibility that you'll find it once again you know it's not lost all is not lost. <laughs> that is a pretty good statement, right? All is not lost. So, yeah, there you go. That's a podcast for today. I pulled this podcast out of thin air, folks. I had nothing really, you know, to talk about. I had no notes. I had no research of anything, you know. And... uh but I did want to come back to you. I did want to make a podcast for you because it had been so long. You know, I don't like to keep my happy innovators waiting for too long. So anyway, with that, my happy innovators, so good to talk to you again. I hope that you guys are all doing well, enjoying the new year, 2022, getting all your stuff done, having some fun. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, This is Mike Bostwick from Pipe Choir Records signing off. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy.
Okay, all you happy innovators who were kind enough and generous enough with your time to hear some music. I have a song for you that has a story that's quite remarkable. Okay, kind of cool. Um, maybe about a month ago, my wife and I were walking through this store and we found this record player that they were selling on clearance for $17. Okay. A little portable record player kind of thing, you know, with a quarter inch output and input jack and, you know, like a modern day version of a record player, very small, portable thing and 17 bucks. You know, you can't go wrong. And my wife and I have not listened to vinyl records in so long. Okay. I mean, we're talking probably 20 or 30 years, you know. But we have, okay, we have this huge collection of vinyl from when we were younger. So, you know, it's kind of all put away in boxes. It's, you know, buried somewhere in the house, you know. But we bought this record player and we had the idea like we would start listening to some of our old records again. Well, okay, so we come home with this record player, right? And... Uh, My wife opens it up. It was really kind of like hers. You know, she really wanted it. But she pulls out this record, okay, from the very first band that I recorded with, okay? She had this little seven-inch vinyl record. It was red, you know, that my band Thumper Incorporated had put out on Smogvale Records, okay? And... What's cool about it is, okay, there's only four songs on this record, okay? But the very first song on the record was really technically the first pipe choir song ever, okay? Like, ever recorded, okay? And, um, I mean, I've told the story before in the past that, you know, I was in this band, I went to the studio with them to record this you know, for this uh, seven inch that we were going to be releasing on this label, this underground punk rock label kind of thing. And, uh, you know, while we were in the studio, I wound up befriending the studio engineer. We became friends and, you know, he invited me over to his studio to just mess around in the studio, you know, making music and just recording it and having fun. So, you know, I did and all that, you know, well, this this uh, vinyl record, this piece of music that starts off this little seven inch that I have that we put out um, was kind of done in the studio that night that the whole band was there. And it was kind of done like impromptu. OK, um, I was in the studio with my band and they were setting up their gear and all my stuff was already set up. I was ready to go. And they were kind of just tuning their guitars and plugging in their amplifiers and doing all that stuff, putting new strings on their guitars. So while they're doing this, right, I, I go over to this keyboard that they had in the studio. It was like an in-house keyboard. And, you know, I started to play it. You know, I just was like waiting. So I just started screwing around on this keyboard. Well, you know, it was one of those things where I was playing just kind of fooling around and I and the room got quiet you know and you know I kind of like look up from the the keyboard 
and everybody there was just watching me play, you know, and I think they were kind of shocked a little bit that I knew how to play a piano, but I'd been playing piano for as long as I'd been playing drums. So I thought they kind of knew that, but I guess they didn't. And, you know, I'm sitting there playing and they stop and they're like, what was that? You know, what is that? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I just made it up. I was just screwing around, you know, and they're like, oh, dude, you got to put that on the record, man. And I'm like, really? You think so? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Record it. You know, can you do it again? And I'm like, yeah, I can do that again. So I did it. We recorded it. It was on the record. It was the song that uh, the piece of music. It's not even really a song. It's a short little thing. Okay. Um, that started the record. And, you know, I hadn't forgotten about it or anything. I mean, I remember the whole situation. And, of course, I remember, you know, that I was in a band that made a final record. It was pretty cool. Um, You know, like, wow, we really are going to make it, man. We're making a record. We're going to be famous, you know. But uh, that didn't happen. But um, uh, so what I'm going to share with you right now is a recording, you know, taken off that record player, you know, into my studio of this piece of music that really was the beginning of my personal recording career, you know, as a solo artist, you know, it was a short little piece. I did it really quick, really simple, maybe even kind of a little bit corny. Okay, but I guess for posterity's sake, here it is. You know, you'll hear it. And, you know, (laughs) they asked me to name the song. And, you know, the name, okay, is Dordessa Kai. That's what I called it. D-O-R, Dor, D-E-S-S-A, K-Y-E, Dordessa Kai. That's what I called it. And, you know, why I called it that? Well, probably there was a little bit of a Mission UK influence there. Uh, Maybe a little bit of Smashing Pumpkins. Maybe, maybe. Dordessa, you know, Dordessa Kai. I think that the Mission had a song called Shamara Kai. So I was kind of boosting that idea. And I mean, it was like they asked me to name it in like five minutes. And that's like what I came up with. You know, so that's what you're going to get right here. The explanation is, which is funny, this explanation that I've just done for this song is probably three times longer than the song itself. So I guess now's the time to like stop talking and let you hear the music. But I hope you enjoy it. And like I said, for posterity's sake, you know, this piece of music will now be, you know, officially in a podcast that I've done. So it will exist somewhere out there in the ether for people to listen to or to reference. Okay. So here we go. Dordessa Kai by Thumper Incorporated, or, you know, really the origins of Pipe Choir, whatever you want to call it. So enjoy, peace out, be safe, have fun. Here we go. (laughs) 